All right, welcome back to the White Hawk uh, here at the National Planning Championships in Rathaska County Leash. And uh, uh, we're delighted to have you and uh, 70 odd thousand people here again today on uh, an interesting afternoon, not cold, but scattered showers. Well, that's enough for the weather forecast. Joined now by Philip Malloy. Philip, welcome to the programme. Thank you, George. Fantastic news. Doris Day is back. Are you delighted? Well, I'm sorry to say that it's not fantastic news because it's just been denied by our agent. And <laughs> oh, de- no. Yes, de- no. De- denied in a very determined way by our agent. It first appeared, I gather, in the, uh, the, the German tabloid Bild, you know, Bild. That's right. It that appeared in that. And uh, her agent now in the last couple of hours has basically said that it's, it's, it's a fabrication, that it's not true. And she's been quoted as saying that, um, you know, she, uh, she loves the fact that, that there's so much interest in her, but that she continued to concentrate on uh, this, this animal foundation, which she's had for yeah. years. And one of, okay. the th- sorry, one of the things they yeah. were doing was they were associating her with, uh, she, she, she and Clint Eastwood are two famous um, uh, residents of Carmel in California, you know that. And... Yeah. Uh, so the, the the suggestion was that she would appear in his new movie, and the new movie is about uh, member Chesley Sullenberger, the, uh, the the pilot that landed the the plane on on yeah. the on the Hudson River and saved 150 lives or something like that. Yeah, and Doris Day was going to be an air hostess. Uh, well, at at 91, I, I doubt it, I doubt <laughs> if she'd be up to an air hostess. But anyway, all right, listen. Um, you talked about this, but I think you've seen the movie now, uh, Life, the mm. story of, of uh, James Dean and yeah. a photographer. Is it any good? Yeah. Well, it, it, by the way, next uh, Wednesday is the 60th anniversary of James Dean's death in, this, in, oh, the, right. in the car accident in California. So I presume that that's what they're doing. They're uh, issuing it or releasing it to coincide with that. It's the story about the relationship between Dean, who was 24 at the time, and uh, he's played in the movie by an actor called Dane DeHaan and Dennis Stock. Now, Dennis Stock um, was attached to a, 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 a group of photographers um, uh, called Magnum, Magnum Photos. And anyway, he first he meets uh, James Dean at a party in Nicholas Ray's house, house in Hollywood. And he, he makes several attempts to convince the actor to let him take pictures in kind of real-life situations as opposed to film star pictures or posed pictures. And um, uh, Dean keeps resisting until they kind of come together at this farm in Fairmont, Indiana, where Dean grew up. Dean apparently was separated from his parents at about the age of six. And his uh, aunt and uncle, who were Quakers, I think, uh, they raised him. The movie is set in that kind of period in Dean's life between East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause, and it hits off his romance with Pierre Angeli. He's at a press conference, um, a lot of interest. He's, he's publicising uh, uh, East of Eden at this press conference, and it, apparently it's, reve- it's revealed to him at the press conference that she has announced her engagement to Vic Damone, so he didn't take that well. And as well then, the, the studio system in the form of um, Jack Warner who's played by Ben Kingsley, comes off very badly out of it. Kingsley, okay. King, Kingsley plays Warner as a really ruthless character. Um, but this is a, f- a film for, like, sort of cinema nerds, isn't well, it? Well, I, I, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, there's not enough new in it, uh, I think, to, okay. to, to interest cinema nerds. It's, uh, 
it's very slight and there isn't a lot that sort of happens really in it um, okay. it's, uh, and when we say it's about the relationship it doesn't get very deep into the relationship okay there was always a doubt about uh, Dean's sexuality of course so you don't, they don't no. you know no no yeah I, I, mean, right. I mean I mean if anything they uh, there, there is the kind of stress uh, from about the first half of the picture there's this stress on the relationship with Pierre Angeli okay. and that would suggest that he, you know yeah Pierre Angeli his name, of course, comes from her surname. Her surname was actually Pierre Angeli. Mm. Uh, uh, her sister became um, uh, a location manager in film. Anyway, listen, Captive Dan, uh, yeah, not I a mean, great movie no, either by no, all accounts. No, it's a, it's a fate-based thriller. Uh, so it's supposed to be a true story about this drug addict, addict a woman called Ashley Smith. And she's taken hostage by a convicted rapist um, played by a, um, a lovely actor called David Oyelowo. Um, he played Martin Luther King in Selma last year. And we, I expect to have him on the picture show this weekend. And he escaped uh, following his court case in Atlanta, Georgia in 2005. And the, the film then, um, he, he, he took her hostage. And the film kind of recounts uh, a relationship, a bond that kind of develops between the two of them over the subsequent uh, seven hours. And she began reading to him, believe it or not. She began reading to him from a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And it's, that was written by an evangelical church founder, a fellow called Rick Warren. And this is supposed to have changed him and it gave himself Hold up. Hold on now, Philip. You're yes. not seriously I'm, suggesting I'm t- that people go and see this, I'm, are you? I'm certainly not. And um, uh, Nichols' uh, escape at the beginning of the picture is very kind of well handled. It's directed by a guy called Jerry Jameson. Jerry Jameson, yeah. And, uh, but it, he, the guy is such a determined and resourceful sort of killer. He kills three people at the beginning, and then within the space of a few hours after reading from this book or getting the excerpts from this <laughs> book, right, okay. he changes his whole attitude to life. And right, what, now, what, what, just could I just say, yeah. George, one of the interesting things at the end of it is we actually get clips, and this will probably explain a lot to you. We get clips from the Oprah Winfrey show in which Smith, that's the woman, and Warren, the writer of the, the book, The Purpose Driven Life, they appear and they discuss their experiences and, of course, their books. It's, it's that, kind of, that kind of Oprah Winfrey oh, type story, oh, if you understand God what I mean. God above. Now, I was on the late, late last Friday talking rugby, but to, I was followed by Tony Collette, who yes. had actually gone to Haiti with us, with the Haven charity some years ago. Mm. And she's got a film because she lived in Ireland for some time, didn't she? She lived in Roundwood in County Wicklow. And um, she has a film out called Miss You Already. It's an old-fashioned weepy, and she's in it with Drew Barrymore. And it's the story of this kind of lifelong relationship. This, she, as a girl, that's the Tony Collette character as a girl, comes from America uh, to London and forms a friendship with the Drew Barrymore car- character. And it's a lifelong kind of friendship. But obviously it's threatened then when one of the friends is diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, as I say, it's a traditional sort of weepy, uh, and uh, but Tony Collette is absolutely wonderful, and she's great, and she plays the comedy in it very, very well, and she'll be on the picture show as well this weekend. All right, now you have the. I love this, as mm. you and I both know. There's nothing better than lists to get the audience mm. excited. This is the 10 best uh, series, is it? It's not. You see, that's the point. Uh, the the oh. thing to distinguish. It's not the best. It's favourite. 
Okay. Oh, okay. And so what, what the Hollywood Reporter did was they carried out this survey of 2,800 people in the film and television industries. That was 779 actors, 365 producers, 368 directors, and so on. And the, the uh, intention was to name the series uh, which they found, uh, for which they had most affection. And at number 10, uh, and I'm just, I, I just the list of the top 10 in front of me here. At number 10, they had The Simpsons. The Simpsons is the longest-running scripted series in TV history. It runs for 27 years. Mad Men is at, is at number 9. Um, and uh, they, there's a nice quote from um, uh, Matthew Weiner, who was the creator of Mad Men, and he said he actually had the, the pilot script in his drawer for three years before mustering up the uh, courage to begin shopping it around. I Love Lucy is at eight, and as you know, I Love Lucy, which debuted in 1955, it's an absolute uh, pioneer, uh, I mean, it's the, the pioneering sort of sitcom from television. Then there's one called Saturday Night Live, which you'll know, but I don't know if everybody else would know. It's a kind of sketch comedy series that's been running for 40 years. It's, but it it's, never got beyond no, America. No, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it, all kinds of people came from it, Eddie Murphy and Bill Murray and all kinds of other people, but it never, as you say, travelled. Yeah. And then at number six, there's The Sopranos, which was um, it led, I suppose, the revolution in TV drama in the US and elsewhere. Then Seinfeld, uh, again, um, a huge uh, success in, in the United States, ran for about 10 years. I'm not sure that it took off to anything like the same degree on this side of the Atlantic. Four is Game of Thrones. Um, it's 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 bigger than anything else on uh, on television at the moment. Even even bigger than The Sopranos. Um, but also Game of Thrones. I was just looking at the Emmys. Game of yeah. Thrones had a, had a big victory huge, at the huge, Emmys. Huge, yeah, it's big, it's really sort of come into its own in terms of the Emmys now. Then number three, there's The X Files, and that introduced that kind of saga storytelling that's become so popular, especially on cable television. Then number two is Breaking Bad. Uh, the cable company AMC, they were desperate to, uh, to, to, to find original drama in 2006, and they picked up this series, which nobody else would, pick, uh, would, would take. Then uh, they approached John Cusack and Matthew Broderick to star in it. They turned him down, and the, the, the creator of, um, of The X-Files, of the X-Files uh, Vince Gilligan, he, he also was involved in Breaking Bad, and he remembered an actor called Brian Cranston, and as they say, the rest is history. And then at number one is uh, Friends. On the fifth, uh, sorry, on, on May the 6th, 2004, 52 million people apparently tuned in for the final episode of Friends. And I don't know if, uh, if your grandchildren or anything are interested in it, but I have a 14-year-old son who watches it still regularly and a 17-year-old as well. And yeah. it, it's, it, it's, it's still popular all over the world. So, um, All right, um do you want you have, the, you have news on Sydney Poitier? Yeah, what, yeah. It's it, again, again. It, it relates to that list that we've just uh, talked about. Um, it's the West Wing is at number eleven, George, in on the list, and uh, I, I I didn't notice. I have to say, Sydney Poitier was first approached to play the role of President Bartlett on the West Wing. And uh, then they asked Jason Robards, but uh, Jason Robards, but he was in in bad health at the time. And then they read of a collection of other actors, including the great Hal Holbrook, an actor called John Cullum. I don't know if you know him or not. He was in a series called Northern Exposure. Tall, a guy with a long nose. And then uh, one day, the, the producer uh, John Wells said, "Why not? Why not try Martin Sheen?" And of course, Martin Sheen became the the, the heart of the series. So yeah. 
I was looking at a documentary about three or four weeks ago about Lance Armstrong. Um, interestingly, Ingrid was glued to it, uh, mm. being a non-sports person, but mm. the sheer drama of the Armstrong story. Now, there's a, there's a new movie now, is there? Or yes, no? there is. Um, and it, it, it was actually shot um, uh, October, November, into December in 2013. So it has been a while coming. And we, we've got this... Uh, this email from um, a listener called Daniel Cullen, and he wants to know what the word is on it, when it's coming out. Now, it's about, as you say, it's about Lance Armstrong, but it's about him and the Irish journalist David Walsh, who suspected um, some of these kind of career-changing things that were happening to Lance Armstrong. He, he, he suspected that from the very beginning, and he kind of kept after him. Uh, now, the word is, by the way, for, for Daniel Cullen, is that it'll be released on the, uh, the, the, the movie, which is called The Programme, will be released on the 16th of October. It was shown to very positive reviews at the Toronto Film Festival last year. Ben Foster plays Armstrong. Chris O'Dowd uh, is David Walsh. Uh, Gannery is very, very good in it and is directed by Stephen Frears. So, I, it's an extraordinary story, the Walsh part, really, yeah, of yeah. how he he so bravely followed this when Armstrong was threatening both David and uh, the Sunday Times with all kinds of, of legal uh, injunctions and yeah. everything. I, I, Walsh, I, I, really, it's a tremendous journalistic story. Yeah, no, it is, it is. And I gather it, it, it's treated that way, um, the, the kind of journalistic aspect yeah. of it. It gets, gets a, you know, a, a fair I, hearing. I, uh, yeah, but the the problem very often with these and and are really because David Walsh deserves like his story mm. to be told in a good way, but it's quite difficult sometimes to to make stories like that compelling, you know. No, it is. But I I saw um, a, a documentary on on Armstrong um, by um, a guy called Alex Gibney a few years ago. And one of the things, all through it, is Walsh would be there at the press conferences, and he'd be he'd be raising the difficult questions, and Armstrong would be putting him down, and you know the idea yeah. of this guy in his position with all he had won, um, tr- you know, using uh, these 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 drugs, it just wasn't conceivable. Yeah. But of course, it was all right in the end. One of the things, by the way, George, one a small aspect. Ben Foster, as I say, plays Armstrong in it, and he has admitted that he took uh, performance-enhancing drugs in order to see what the experience would be like in, prepar- in pre- preparing for the, the oh, movie. Oh, this yeah. is, I mean, the last bit to do this is probably Justin Hoffman. This <laughs> okay. is really taking uh, the method, method a bit far, isn't it? It is, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Alonso Olivier would have just acted. Um, the Game of Thrones, uh, which I have never seen, um, it now enters its sixth season, season without yeah. ever being seen by me. Yeah, and, um, and one of the things about it is that it's, it's kind of the series now has overtaken the book the the uh, the R. R. Martin books, and uh, I, okay, they they, they tend uh, you know during the kind of hiatus period they tend to announce lists of new actors they're bringing in, and when it comes back on Sky Atlantic in April next, Ian McShane, Max Van Sydow, Richard E. Grant, the, the, do you remember the um, in in Borgen uh, the the spin doctor Casper 
Uh, yeah, I do very well, well because I remember Borgen very well, yeah, which was, well, was well, really very good. Well, that actor, his name is Pilu Aspec. I, I hope I'm pronouncing it properly. And he, he's coming into it, and he's a fine actor. And then there's a lovely English actor called James Faulkner, and they're all on board for the new series. Okay. Because you're a huge fan of Game huge, of Thrones. Huge, huge, huge. Well, of course, you're probably right, and I'm wrong, given uh, Game of Thrones' performance in the Emmys. Um, it won, what, 12 awards? Yeah. and But uh, it didn't win any acting awards. Am I right in saying no, that? No, no, no. It, 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 uh, the situation was that up to this year, just amazing, which is a strong ensemble, um, uh, uh, that, that it hadn't won acting awards. And, and the same applies to Mad Men. Mad Men, uh, uh, which, which this year, for the first time, actually won an acting award. John Hamm won for uh, Best Actor in a Drama. Is that a bit of a, a sympathy Well, vote? Well, yeah, yeah, it might be, but I, I don't know if you've seen the Emmys. Have you, have you seen the Emmys? There was an absolute outpouring of support for him when his name was... And all of the guys that were nominated alongside him, against him, they all stood up and they... You know, they, they applaud yeah, them. Just on Ham, I mean, uh, there's a difficulty always in terms of typecasting, which which every actor uh, has when he's involved in a big series. Mm. Um, do we know, is is there work around for Ham? Because, I, I mean, know. there was no work around before he, no, no. He, he did Mad Man. Yeah, but, I mean, there are so many cases of that, George, where, where an actor all of a sudden becomes the hottest thing conceivable and he couldn't get, you know, he couldn't get a hearing at all. You know, prior to that, and that's this guy actually looks like. And Matthew Weiner, the creator of Mad Men, has actually said this: this guy has always looked like um, a film star, a traditional uh, Clark Gable era type film star. Uh, but the, uh, the, the the thing about him is, I think he can act as well. He does sort of quirky, offbeat stuff. Um, but he's been in, you know, movies like... Uh, yeah, he's, but he's, he dominated Mad Men, though. I mean, you yeah. couldn't imagine... Like, there wasn't a Mad no. Men episode. I'm sure there was. But but you felt you couldn't have Mad Men without John Hamm. No, he was at the centre of it. I mean, it was it, yeah, revolved, I mean, it revolved around him, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, uh, by the way, just when you're talking about the Emmys, Vi- Viola Davis became the first black woman to be awarded uh, the accolade really? for Outstanding Actress, yeah, in a drama. Uh, and as you say, in its fifth season, Game of Thrones won its first Best uh, Drama Award and also okay. won the, the most awards that any series has garnered in a single year. That's 12. Now, uh, Viola Davis, who won um, the Best Actress in Drama, Black Actress, uh, she beat off Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men, didn't she? Yeah, no, no it was, that was a strong, it's not always a strong category, but it was a good uh, category this year. And uh, and um, your your friend uh, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, she was also nominated. All right, um, you could, could, I, could course, I, yeah. Could I just yeah. mention George? Uh, I don't know if you've seen the papers in the papers today about this story about Robert De Niro walking out on an interview with the Radio Times. Have you seen it? No. Okay, Robert Robert De Niro is on the is doing the rounds at the moment for a movie called The Intern. Uh, the Intern co-stars him and Anne Hathaway. And it's about um, uh, this, this, this 70-year-old apprentice 
to an online fashion retailer, the CEO of an online fashion retailer's business played by Hathaway and about the relationship between the two of them. Anyway, he was, that's De Niro, was doing an interview with Emma Brox, uh, who was there for the Radio Times, although people, readers of The Guardian will know her byline fairly regularly. And at, at, at one stage, he just uh, got up and said, I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> and, yeah, okay. and, and walked out. And, and now, he, what he said he was objecting to was, um, she said. She said to him at one stage, uh, and this seems to me to be a very simple sort of journalistic type question. How do you resist? She's talking to De Niro. How do you resist the temptation to go into autopilot mode on the set? And he objected to the inference in that. And then she made some reference, apparently, to the fact that Tribeca, you know, Tribeca, the Tribeca area in New York, where yeah. he has, where he Tribeca, where he has his offices, and uh, there's there's also a Tribeca Film Festival. And yeah. uh, he, she, she made some comment about the fact that it was being overrun by bankers at the moment. But uh, so he said to her, "Would you turn off your tape recorder?" And then he. he she said that he pops out of his chair, starts pacing madly, and says he's cutting short the interview because of the negative inferences in the questions that she's asking. Well, some guys are very difficult to interview. No, Undoubtedly, I, the hardest interview I ever did mm. of of a, a movie star was Kevin Spacing. Um, mm. I when when on uh, House of Cards, yeah, and yeah. and I, well, I was in London, and I thought he was an incredibly difficult guy to interview. Yeah, he's, um, I mean, that's fairly well known, I have to say. I mean, you weren't the only one that he, he, he was difficult with. Yeah, I just thought a trivia question for you, which you'll answer, of course, in a canter after Viola Davis, first black actress to win Nemi, uh, the first black uh, actor to, to, to win an Oscar? No, are you t- thinking about Althea Gibson or someone like that, is it? No, no. Oh, no. That, well, uh, Poitier won uh, quite early. No, I, I, female. Give you a clue. Althea Gibson, uh, female. Who is it? It was, she was the maid in, in Gone with the Wind, isn't wasn't that, she? Isn't that Althea Gibson? No, Althea Gibson was, was <laughs> with John star. Wayne and Bill Holden in uh, The Horse Soldiers or something. Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel, that's right. Yeah. Hattie McDaniel. Well, uh, thanks, uh, Philip. We, you're very lucky. Uh, on the picture show this weekend at 6 o'clock on Saturday, you have Tony Collette. She's a lovely person, and you can ask her all about Haiti. 